0: a story that works podcast teaches you to discover your own writing process and get back to work by using my stories, which I read a lot as examples. This season, I'm talking to different editors about how to improve what's on the page, make a habit of writing and break free from any and all blocks that come your way. I hope my struggles help you feel less alone and inspire you to get your stories on the page and confidently share them. And so here we are to this last episode of the season, where I'm going to talk about self-editing. And I want to quick cover why I'm doing that, right? Like, I, I really hope these editors that you've heard from this season inspired you. I think that they've offered such great advice that I will take away, I will continue to listen to and use in my own writing. And I hope you do the same. But there is a point where you have to figure out what your story is and not just one story, but every story you're going to tell. And you have to figure out what you're doing well, what you're not doing well, and how you can then improve upon those things. And I think the best way to do that is by looking critically at your own writing and reframing it against what you wanted to do with the piece. So again, it's back to this intentionality as a writer. How do you craft a story that you specifically want to tell? And then how do you improve upon it so that other people want to read it and enjoy it? I'm assuming if you've stuck with me this far in this season of the podcast or through season one and season two, you already know who I am. But just in case you don't, and to give you a feel for why I'm doing this episode alone and without any other editors, I am a writer. I'm a certified story grid editor. I've attended two McKee seminars. I've hosted workshops at Barnes & Noble. I self-published a nonfiction book on writing, and obviously I... Produce and run this podcast. So basically, I'm a perpetually curious writer who can't seem to do the work and really struggles with why that is because it's the only thing I've wanted my whole life. And I think that really sets me up as a great person to bug all these editors, bug all the writers that I know, and kind of get to the bottom of how do you figure out your process? What is your process? And then kind of exploiting my own work to help other people along the way. I have writing that's been featured on Havoc in terms of fiction, I have guest posts on Jaden friedman's site on the creative pen on diy mfa and of course on story grid if you care about you know general kind of fun little tidbits i i'm a pretty good crocheter an avid reader amateur graphic designer i love traveling the world i've been to quite a few countries some of them completely solo so i i very much enjoy that and i really like short stories because i think you can finish a lot of them in a short period of time and therefore grow your writing process. Process along the way. So, again, thank you for being here. Let's dive into the story and get a feel for what it means to self edit. The man, who was decidedly not Stuart Kriegelman, smiled to himself as he floated around the anti gravity chamber. Everyone had said it was stupid to bring popsicles as his one and only personal item out to space. They said the frozen treat didn't constitute something personal and that no one could guarantee someone else wouldn't eat them all up before he even got one. But he was good at hiding things and had a knack for bringing more than he was allowed. After six years and countless repairs throughout the entire station, he'd learned where to put something you didn't want to be found. That and other various skills that would more or less be useless when he quit this job to move on to the next, and he was due to quit soon. The way the slush melted away from the stick, dripping off into its own floating blob of colored sugar water, was enough to convince him he'd made the right decision. Paging Stuart Kriegelman to the engine room. Stuart Kriegelman, you are needed for a repair in the engine room. He knew they were referring to him. After six years of being called the previous engineer's name, he responded to it, considered himself part owner of the name, tried to live up to the title. In fact, he was certain they'd call the next engineer by some version of his name as poetic justice of sorts, that he'd eventually be remembered and missed, but that was only because he didn't want to consider the alternative. Believing that everyone who took the engineering job on Station 12 was doomed to be confused with someone else for all eternity made sense in his mind, if he didn't think about it too long. Stuart Kregelman to the engine room! Stuart Kregelman to the engine room! He slurped up the last of the sticky red juice and put his uniform jacket back on. Even if it was his last stint on Station 12, he'd be damned if he were late to a job. Wouldn't want to risk the next engineer's reputation his name would bestow. Pretty sweet game last night, eh, Stuart? Joe asked as Not-Stewart made his way to Level 4. Not-Stewart nodded in reply, slung his work bag higher on his shoulder, grunted. Stuart? A little girl looked up to him, questioning, in her hand, she held a broken toy, one not Stuart recognized as a Lionel Robot XK-12. Not my name, he gave a gruff reply, walking faster toward the elevator. She followed, silent. The door shut, and he pushed the button for level four. He waited for her to push her own button. She didn't. When the elevator opened to level four, a level no child had any business being on, she got off and followed him as he made his way to the engine room. He thought about telling her to find her own parents, but somehow knew she wouldn't listen. He passed through the doors using his security badge, and she snuck through behind him. An expert sleuth he already knew was shadowing his every move. Mr. Kriegelman, you're 3.6 seconds late. We have a bit of an emergency that needs your attention. A voice from the loudspeaker crackled at him as they entered the engine room. Figures they wouldn't come meet me to talk through the problem. The thermostat regulator for levels 12 through 16 is acting up. It needs to be reset, inspected for issues, and recalibrated. We thank you for making this your top priority. He looked at one of the video cameras and gave a thumbs up. Oh, and Mr. Kriegelman, we ask that you don't bring your personal matters to work. We'll have to dock you a few credits for the girl. See that she's taken care of and removed from our secure facilities as soon as you've finished. Not Stewart nodded. Not looking at the camera this time. He knew he'd get flack for her, but what was he to do? Physically restrain her from following him? He wasn't sure he knew how, and definitely didn't want that responsibility hanging over his head. Without another word, Not Stewart got to work. He took apart the thermostat, carefully inspecting all the pieces. Having replaced a faulty wire on another a couple weeks ago, he identified the problem in no time and switched out the parts. The girl was silent the whole time. Not-Stewart had never seen a child so well-behaved, so non-demanding of attention. Even the heat and loud noises of the engine room didn't faze her. He almost didn't hear when she asked, What's your name? Makes you so sure you can't just call me Stuart. He finished up the calibration and dropped the rest of his tools into his bag, slung it over his shoulder, and turned to go. You don't like it. He paused, not sure how she knew that, considered the buzzing fluorescent light overhead and looked down at the girl clutching her broken toy. Come with me. She fell into step behind him, once more silent. Together they walked to the anti-grav chamber, stopping along the way to pick up a couple popsicles from one of his many hiding places. Don't go telling anyone else these are here. She nodded solemnly, and he knew she could keep a secret. Not Stewart left his bag and jacket outside the chamber. The girl refused to leave her toy unattended. They floated inside, the big windows giving them a perfect view of the stars. What are we doing here? The girl tried to watch Non Stewart, but she bounced around the chamber from one end to the next, trying to hold in her giggles. He took out the popsicles and unwrapped them, put the trash in its disposal on the wall. He floated over to her, careful to put the stick in her hand, and demonstrated his favorite techniques to eat in zero gravity. The popsicle slowly melted, and the two floated around the room, trying to catch the sugared slush before it hit the walls or escaped their grasp. The girl squealed in delight, letting Lionel slip from her grasp as she slurped up the sticky goo. Not Stewart quickly ate his own, ignoring his own rituals, and picked up the broken robot. He tinkered away with a few spare parts he kept in his pocket. When she finished, she looked up at him, smiled twice its normal size. That was fun! Sure was, kid. He handed back Lionel as they exited the chamber, grabbed his jacket and work bag, ready to attend to the next appointment. She looked at him eyes big. Thank you. Name Stanley, kid. You can call me Stan. Stan? She skipped off, hand in hand with Lionel, beeping out at her, his own smile hardly contained, even when Joe caught up to ask Stuart a favor. So now that we've heard the story, I'm going to quickly go over what my goal is for the rest of this episode, and then talk you through it. So I already talked about why I think it's important to self-edit, again, just as a refresher. It's to improve as a writer, to figure out what your goals are so that you know why you're fixing the things that you're fixing, and so that you're very intentional to build up those pieces so that you create the career you're actually shooting for. Even when it doesn't end up exactly looking like what you want it to, you'll still be much closer if you're figuring out those steps first and and actively working towards them on a very specific path and projects. And the other reason is, again, so you can write more than one thing. You can write short stories, you can write novels, you can write in different genres, and you can stretch yourself along the way. So now I'm gonna look at how do you edit? And I think this is a very personal process. It depends on the writer. So it's gonna be different for me than it is for you. But what I'm trying to do is give you a bunch of different tools that you can then apply yourself, figure out what works and iterate along the way. So if something doesn't work for you, try something else or maybe in different quantities, it will work for you. So my specific steps, I'm hoping you'll be able to take away And learn from in order to apply them to your own writing. And I'm going to go into what this looks like specifically for this story, because this is the one that I'm looking at. And I hopefully wrap it up with what you can learn from this and how to apply it yourself. But before we dive into my current editing techniques, I did want a quick refresher on all the things Caitlin and I talked about when we were editing this story in season one. So specifically, when I read this story, I was very close to it at the time. The things that I mentioned I could change included the following. I needed to look up where engine rooms would be likely to be located in a structure built for space. I I said I wanted to look up good names for toys, though personally now I kind of like it. I said I needed to know how something in the engine room could be broken and recalibrated, but I'm not sure any of that mattered at the time. The one thing I did say that I will probably circle back to is that nothing about my story has to take place in space, except that it's much cooler to eat a popsicle in space. I wonder if that aspect of it detracts from the story rather than adds to it. That said, the first thing I do once I've read a story, I've given it some time to sit, is I make a list of all the things that come up for me when I'm I'm reading it, as if it weren't my writing. So I made this list as I was reading through my story, and I'm just going to read it for you verbatim. The first thing I said was, I kind of like this story, which is surprising to me. This is the one time I think the strong voice wasn't trying to hold together something that wasn't totally working on its own. The second thing I said was that I think I could have brought the loneliness out even more. If you're called the wrong name and popsicles are your quote-unquote personal item, what does that say about you? Do you have no one or nothing that matters more? Number three, I wonder why he's quitting and if it really matters to the story. Like he mentions it, but is that why he helps the girl? Does it make him less likely to care that she's following him? Number four, Stanley and Stuart are awfully close. And I think that kind of takes away from the struggle he's having with the wrong name being said. Or with a reader kind of connecting with, oh, his name is actually Stanley or Stuart. You could get confused with that pretty easily. The next thing I said is I think I did some good things in trying to mirror the beginning and the end, but I'm not sure I've written in reasons for the popsicles to be there, for the story to take place in space, or to really make the loneliness matter. The next thing I said is I think I could have a stronger turning point in this story. And what I meant by that is the story kind of hinges on this fact that he goes from being lonely to finding a companion in the child, and the only time that changes is when she says he doesn't like being called that name. And he wonders about it, so I, I'm actually bringing it up that I recognize that it's kind of weak as it's written. But I think I could really pull that apart so that the change in the story from loneliness to companionship is a bit stronger, or maybe it's from hopelessness to hope. I, I need to bring out that change, and I think looking at the turning point will really help me there. And the last thing I said is, maybe I need more descriptions. I think he probably doesn't realize kind of his surroundings, so maybe it doesn't matter. And that I should probably discover my point of view more solidly. So I really like the voice in this that I'm saying, you know, because it's third person, I think that allows me to play with this idea of not Stuart. And I like that. I just need to make sure I know the reasons behind it. So that was the first thing I did. I read the story, I made that list. My editing steps, that is the, that's the first step for me, to identify the problems and make a list. Then the next thing I do is I remind myself of the intent of the story, Or the piece, whatever it is. And I try to reframe it around that. Obviously, this story is a little bit different because it was for season one of the podcast. I had a prompt and I had a timeline. So I had to get it done in that sense. But if I think back to the kinds of things I was struggling with or the reasons I might have pulled this story out instead of any other story that I could have written. I mean, obviously, you look back, Caitlin and my stories were very different. And I think the reason this one came out of me at the time is that idea of loneliness So I know I wrote in my list that loneliness is really important and I want to bring that out more. And I think the reason is because that's the theme for me. That's what I attached to. And if I really bring that out more, that will make the story stronger. The third step in my editing process is to make a list of the specific changes I want to make. So more so than just, I think this is working, I think this isn't working. Instead, looking at the story itself. How I do this is I have the story, I copy paste it into a new working document, which for me means I'm creating another subdivision of the actual story itself in Scrivener so that they're all tied together and I just call it working draft or something like that. And I look at the story from top to bottom, and anytime I have a change in the story that I wanted to make, I enter a couple times and I write a note to myself. So where the turning point is, I hit enter a few times and I write, make this stronger. Where there are places I wanted to add more description, I hit enter a few times, add more descriptions. And I add that specifically to the story to give me something to anchor onto and to put me in the mindset of making those changes. And step four of my editing process is to actually rewrite the story. And I do that in real time, as in the working document, where those entered spaces are. I like to try to re-channel my writer's brain at this point, because by now I've gotten in this analytical editing space, which makes me lose the sense of the story itself. And for me, I found this story based on the voice, and so if I can't attach myself back to that voice, it's going to be very hard to make the changes that I want to make to turn the story into something stronger and better. So I try to maybe if I have to reread the first sentence a couple times, if I have to try to rewrite sentences a couple times using that voice and finding it again, that's what I'm doing in those empty spaces in between where I wanted to make changes. And then I rinse and repeat. So I go back, I give it some time to sit again, I'll read through it, I'll make some notes on the things that I kind of want to change. Maybe I'm looking at something different this time. So the first time I looked at voice, I looked at the turning point, so the overall structure of the story, the point of view, the descriptions as a very general basis. Maybe the next time I'm looking at are the characters coming across well? How am I doing on world building? So I made a general claim that this doesn't have to take place in space, I didn't really look at that in this round of editing. So maybe the next round I'm going to say, well, why is this in space? Um, And I think that does also tie back to the theme and loneliness and space is a very vast open area where you can feel lost and it kind of mimics that. But maybe I take a look at that in depth in the next round Um, and any number of different things. And I do that again and again until I can no longer make any changes that would benefit this story. And when I can no longer make any changes when I'm happy with it and not just a woohoo, I'm done. I never want to I never want to look at it again like I tend to do with these, you know, 300-word I'm going to post them on my blog kind of stories. Then I send it to somebody else or I can, you know, this season I'm kind of coming across as a bit of a hypocrite right now because I sent a lot of first drafts out to editors. And that's because I think I'm a little bit afraid of this, afraid of this editing side of things. I'm afraid of tearing something apart because what if it doesn't come back together the way that I want it to? And that's very intimidating. And so I think it's, again, about this idea of practice and intentional practice and making sure that you're doing the right things to build towards the career you want to. Obviously, I've said a couple times that I want to be a writer, and in order to be a writer other people have to like what i'm writing they have to become my fans and buy my books and and get behind whatever it is that is magic in my writing and so i want to amplify those things and i can only do that if i critically look at them myself and this is where all of that comes into play in the editing process <laughs> and so yeah that's of course it's intimidating for me because i like the voice so much and if I try and tear it apart to make sure the story is actually working, I tend to lose the voice a bit more than if it were, say, the character that I liked or, you know, the setting that I liked. But it's going to look different for you depending on the things that you do well and the things that you need to fix. All of that could change by story as well. Like this one, the voice is really strong. Maybe in another one, the world is really strong or I really attached the character. And a lot of these stories in season one, I... I was attaching very strongly to the theme, and I brought up this idea that maybe that's my way into a story, is I figure out what the theme is, and I try to write from there. So whatever that looks like for you, just know that it can change depending on where you're at in your writing, what you've been working on, what stories you've been studying. Kim and I actually recently had a really good conversation about this. When you know what you're trying to work on, you can go look at stories specifically that will help you build those kinds of skills. So if you know you're really good at beginnings, but your endings are kind of falling flat like mine are... Take a look at endings of stories that you enjoy and map out what they're doing and how they're doing it and why it works for you. Use that as intentional study instead of, as I do, as resistance and get yourself to a place where you know the elements that are going into this that you have to think about for your story. All of that is just to say, Everything about writing is about being intentional, in my opinion, and I think a lot of the editors that I talk to would say the same thing. You're getting to know yourself so that you can put things in your writing not just to heal, but to actually tell the stories that are unique to you. So you're not copying your favorite writer from childhood, or you're not trying to be the next Stephen King. You're trying to be the next insert your name here. So I'm trying to be the next Rebecca Monterusso. And I think that's really powerful. It It actually improves your writing. It makes you a unique writer that other people can get behind. They can become your fans because they're not finding what you're writing in anyone else's work. And I think that's what really matters here is gaining that confidence and using it to keep coming back to the page wherever it's intimidating, whether it's the blank page, whether it is the editing phase, whether it is sending it to other people. I don't know what that looks like for you, but creating very easy ins for yourself so that you continue to do it and you continue to show your brain that it's not as scary as it seems to be. The one thing I will say about that is remember this season and in season one, I've lacked so much confidence. I have compared my work to Caitlin. I have asked so many questions of all these editors about, am I doing this right? And should I change my process? And by reading this story... Like Leslie recommends in in one of the earlier episodes, I found that I actually liked something that was there. It built my confidence up, made me feel stronger, made me feel like I wasn't crazy to think that I was a writer. So I do recommend not only this idea of being intentional with your work, so like Lori said, you know what you're doing with a story before you even start it, but, like Leslie said, and like, I'm sure Abigail said, and everybody else, you're you're using what matters to you, you're rereading your work, and you're growing as a person and a writer along the way. And that's the goal here. You take this thing you love to do, you give yourself the space to do it to have fun, to play. And then you use those goals you want to reach, help yourself improve and maybe you don't want to improve maybe you just want a journal that's okay too it's about knowing what you want and what you want to get out of it maybe you want to self publish a book that you're only going to give to your mom for her birthday i don't know what that is only you can answer it and so i hope that's what this podcast has kind of encouraged you to do is to get to know yourself get to know your writing and run with it And just have fun and play in this space. Because for me, what I always forget is that figuring out, problem solving my way through a story is one of the most fun ways to use my brain. (laughs) And I have to continually remind myself of that, but that's okay. And if you are worried, we will be back for a season three. Kim and I have had some really wonderful conversations lately trying to figure out my novel. So instead of working on short stories, we're going to be talking about each week what it looks like. When you are trying to figure out what a novel is and how to write it and then how to structure it and all the times I hit a wall, Kim is there to remind me that I'm not crazy. And and so that is coming up as well. If you want to stick with me, you're going to hear even more about what it means to work with an editor, what it means to grow as a writer and to continue to do this work. Thank you again for being here. I appreciate you listening. I am so happy to get to do this work. And I hope you'll be with us for season three. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Story That Works. For all the past episodes, the show notes, or to connect, visit astorythatworks.com. If you would like to support the show, click subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps other people find and fall in love with the show. As always, keep writing.